Welcome everyone uh, to the Ask the Experts, a daily series from 8.30 till 9 to help small businesses. I'm Patrice Archer and I'm super excited to be your host today uh, as we celebrate our 50th Ask the Experts as a live show. Ask any questions in the comments or hashtag QBATE on Twitter. If you need any more advice, join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and businesses experts on hand uh, to help 24-7. QuickBooks also have a dedicated COVID-19 information site. Uh, so just go to the QuickBooks website, scroll down a little bit, click on the big Learn More button under the header Support for You and Your Business During COVID-19. Um, so agenda for today really is I'll give a little introduction about me, uh, maybe a couple of case studies about some things you might find of interest, and then we'll take some questions. But before I sort of talk about me, the overall thing I want to be talking about today is how... Um, Sony, we work as tech experts, as tech partners to small businesses with the aim to create a return on investment uh, from technology. And, and time and again, I see people not doing that. Uh, so that's something I'm very hot on and very focused on. And there's different ways to do this, which I'd love to share and discuss with you guys. In terms of background, so as a sort of couple of minutes, my background is not that of technologist. My first career was very much uh, in investment banking and private equity where it's all about uh, helping uh, buy businesses, scale them, um, financially uh, re-engineer them, operationally transform them, and then sell them for more money. So my background is very much in, in, in business. And when I approach technology, it's a mindset that I have, which is there's got to be a return on investment. Because if there isn't, why are we even doing this? You know, it's a vanity project. So that was my first career. And I kind of started changing things when the, the previous financial crisis, uh, let's call it the one of 07 or 08, uh, happened, because uh, I think, sadly, we're about to enter the, the next financial crisis, the next crisis, which makes this, what we're talking about, doubly important, because there's a lot of things we can do to protect our businesses, but also take advantage of some opportunities. Um, so for me, in 07 or 08, I started uh, thinking, what's life all about? Yeah, is it about doing finance, or is it about doing something I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying? And I started doing some startups. So I did initially a little um, fashion brand. Uh, then I did a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform I got involved in. Then I was involved in uh, an e-commerce platform. Lots of learning by doing a couple of Kickstarter projects. Some did okay, some, some went nowhere, but lots of learning by doing. And I carried on doing this on the side of my day job until child number one arrived eight years ago. And that was a real seminal moment uh, where for me, I realized that what I was passionate about was building technology-led businesses. And that's what I should be doing, not working in finance. No offense to finance, it's, it was a good industry back then. So, so I quit uh, with a new child and uh, just a dream and no idea per se exactly what I was going to do. Fast forward eight years, what we do now, so I guess the purpose of this is we work with everything from early stage entrepreneurs with an idea uh, to take them through a process of validating the idea, creating um, a prototype of that to do some user testing and validation. So trying to focus people on spending as little money as possible before they build technology to validate the concept and make sure it makes sense to their users, not to them and their close friends who love them dearly, but to their potential users and people who will be paying money for this service. So we work, yeah, so early stage entrepreneurs, then the idea is to build an MVP, so minimum viable product, so the first version of the software, maybe help them fundraise and then scale their idea into a commercially viable business. 
We also do that with startups uh, so to really help them scale. Uh, and a big focus we have is on, on SMEs, where you have a business that's going, you have uh, existing clients and users, you maybe you have already some technology stack and, and things that you do, but there's a big opportunity to help in terms of, uh, so it could be conversion and optimization. So how do we look at your funnel and how do we optimize it? Uh, it could be automation internally within your business. And I'll give a couple of examples of, of some case studies we've done. I can't go into details for confidentiality, but also with SMEs, we're like running tests. So you've got an existing core business. Well, once you look at this opportunity here, run some tests with your existing customer base and see if you can generate additional income, a new revenue channel maybe. So if I go into maybe a first example, so and just say my main business is called Happy Ventures and, and it's tech partners. We also work with some major corporations in terms of innovation, but it's a lot less fun than working with SMEs because, um, yeah, there's a lot of layers with large businesses in terms of um, getting decisions made and, and working with them as a service provider. So first example, so around conversion optimization, one of our clients is, uh, is a company that started as a cafe. And what they did during the crisis is they shifted, they had a small e-commerce store, but they shifted uh, to selling a lot more online. So they saw the opportunity and it's Scandinavian food related. And they decided, look, we're gonna sell a lot more online. They've done really well, <clears throat> but what we, they realized and brought us in for is if you think about a funnel being the first time somebody hears of you all the way through to somebody's an ambassador for your brand, that, that's a true user journey. Technology is an enabler in the middle of that. But what I like to look at is from that first interaction to that last interaction, hopefully not last interaction, what are the different steps along the way that you can tweak, you can improve. So for them, it's an e-commerce store. So you've got the acquisition. So people go onto the store, look at things. So what can you do to optimize that? Well, with them, there was quite a lot of user experience things that could be improved because they actually made it difficult for shoppers to buy from them. It sounds really silly, but the, the shopping cart, I struggle to, to, to purchase from it. So first thing we did was uh, start looking at how do we optimize their shopping cart so their conversion goes up. So at the moment, that's an experiment that's running. I don't have the data, but it's looking promising already. Another thing that we've, we've been doing is uh, looking at their abandoned carts. I know that's quite e-com specific, but abandoned cart is somebody puts something in the cart, doesn't complete that, that transaction, maybe because the shopping cart was too difficult. And we've managed to increase by 100%, uh, improve by 100% the, the completion, which for them is, is massively meaningful and uh, achieves one of my key purposes, which is making a return on investment. So they spend money on us to do that. Within a month, they've done a return on investment already. So everything else going forward is additional profits for them. When we put online this, this shopping cart, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be lovely, profitable piece of work for them. And that, to me, is the benchmark that we need to have as technology partners is how do we make you more money? Because that's the only way we're going to keep working together and, and building a brilliant business for you. A second example, um, so if we're thinking, so less e-commerce, more internal, at the times we have now, it, it's a question of seeing how do we reduce costs? Previous example was they have the same number of customers coming in every day. How do we make more money from that? This example is you have a team that's working, you have different systems, software, and processes. How do we how do we effectively automate different facets and, and maybe get some different bits of software talking? 
So, for example, if you have an inquiry on your on your contact us form on your website, what happens with that? Well, what happens for some people is they'll go in, <clears throat> they'll respond, they'll write something. Just that interaction's five minutes. Now, ideally, they've plugged it into the CRM, so automatically that's a lead that's captured and can be tracked and, and monitored over time. But other time they don't they don't even do that because somebody's job to do that and, and the balls might get dropped. What you could do is have an automatic system that as soon as somebody inquires within the contact us form, it automatically puts that uh, contact in the CRM. It automatically sends pre-populated message. So this isn't anything drastic, right? It's pretty basic stuff, but it's to it's to explain the also the possible generally with automation. Also, on top of that, if they respond, you could have automatic system that effectively says within the way the system tracks uh, leads, this person has moved from just contacted to has responded. And the system could then automatically trigger a few actions. A few actions could be um, getting in touch with a, a salesperson to say this, this person is actually interested in that. Maybe if we've built the system cleverly, it could understand more about their user automatically again based on some of the interactions they've had with our website. So we can take some data about what that person's done on the website, feed that data to the salesperson. So when they have their first phone call, they already know a lot about how to convert that lead into a sale. And uh, and to me, that, that that's a really nicely done system. You, you might be able to minimize costs. I know we some of us have staff uh, on furlough still, not, not for too long, things are changing. And, and maybe we're finding it a bit more difficult to, to follow the normal processes. But maybe that means what we should be doing is maybe automating some of those processes. And the third example I wanted to give is I see a lot of businesses looking to effectively uh, create new ventures maybe within, within their, their, their existing business. So maybe they have an idea. You know, we do this currently, but once we do this bit as well. A lot of the issues about moving from here to there in their mind is the cost of the technology. And what we like to think about is, how about we reduce that down, we simplify it and just say, does this idea make sense? Can we validate with potential users, potential buyers? And can we run some tests around that? And, uh, and what that means is, we all have assumptions about what people want. But if we forget building technology, and sometimes we refuse to build technology with clients until they've done this, just go and run some focus groups, some one-on-one user interviews about your idea. Really understand if it's enough of a pain point for potential users. If you've done that successfully and you're getting some good feedback, that's the first check. Then you go to the next stage, which could be maybe graphically design what the thing you want to build is going to look like and put into a prototype. So there's tools we use that effectively link up the, the different screens, and it looks and feels like, like an app or a website, whatever you, you wanted to, to, to build. And what you do with that is you go back and you, you go and speak to some people again. You say, this thing looks like this. It works like this. You told me before that you had this pain point. You know, does, does this answer your pain point? And you're going to learn so much by doing that. I mean, there's some studies that suggest that just speaking to five people in this way will give you 80% of the feedback you would have gotten from building the whole thing. So think about the potential savings. So doing that, get some feedback. You probably have to iterate that prototype slightly, speak to them again, and you have a very good understanding of actually what people, um, people will want. And that's only when you should be building the technology. 
I mean, we actually go a step further and say, let's build a low-code version of that technology, which is more about taking together different components, existing um, you know, themes of websites, of hacking them slightly together to create a working version for a closed beta of users. So that means effectively, yeah, a hundred closed uh, customers that we know and trust. And we're gonna say, look, would you mind helping us with this? It's something that's never gonna launch, but yeah, the prototype is probably 3000 pounds to do or the graphic design, sure, et cetera. This thing is maybe 10,000 pounds to do, but the amount of value on the feedback you get is worth 10 times that. Because if you just do that low-code version, have a working uh, version of it that, that's just cobbled together, it's not the final product, you'll then know exactly what people will pay for, your whole business case is done, and if you have to spend 20, 40, 50, 100 grand building the proper big version of that dream you had, you're doing it in a way that's, that's completely de-risked because you already have your clients lined up, you've, you've got product market fit, I'm sure a lot of you have heard that, phrase product market fit which is essential and um and yeah so you're, you're in a good place so from um from our side we're doing that at the moment with a couple of businesses and uh, one of which is uh, a gdpr uh, related one and the other is a um is a health and safety one so i'm just some questions coming through so just looking at that briefly okay some questions coming through so i'm gonna shut up and answer those but we're doing this at the moment with a couple uh, which are client projects and some of which are own. Because the final thing I want to say about Happy Ventures is we're practitioners, not theorists. You know, we we do this. We're entrepreneurs uh, and business owners, not not just an agency. I hate the term agency. Okay. Anyway, so questions. Um, all right. So quite a few. Uh, Anika from Twitter, direct message. Hello, Patrice. When helping uh, businesses, what is the first thing you evaluate when looking to help them? That's a really good question. Um, so I think there's two sides to that. One is it's really important to understand their users. And, and so well, yeah, two things really, it's understanding their users, you know, what their pain points are, what they look for, what they think, <clears throat> and what they think of the current uh, solution that that business is offering. And I go back to this analogy of the true user journey, <clears throat> which is somebody's never heard of you to somebody who's an ambassador for your brand at every single step along the way. My ideal world is using this, this lovely, huge whiteboard behind me and working with the clients to sort of really map that out and understand their users, their user journeys, and where technology sits currently and where technology could sit and provide that return on investment. I hope that answers your question, Anika. Um, Jamie from Twitter, direct message. We are fleshing out one of our design ideas for an online closed store. How do we best map out the user journey? User journey coming up again. So... Well, how do we best map out the user journey? I think in many ways, that, that might be a question that we could take offline and I can show you, I think might be the best way to do that. But the, the user journeys, I'm, I'm gonna go back to that. This, the technology piece in the middle is an enabler within a longer user journey. So there's a user journey that's literally somebody is landed on your website, they press sign up, how do you onboard them? Um, but there's a longer piece about how they come into you in that, in that first place. Um, if we're thinking about tools to map out user journeys, I would say use something like Miro, M-I-R-O. That's a very good one. And you can really do sort of a virtual whiteboard and, and sort of create that user journey. What I would also do to sort of help is, is probably look at sort of the top three in your mind 
most successful um, online clothes stores uh, and look at how they do their user journey. Now, a lot of them will be pretty plain vanilla, but it might also be useful then to look at something not at all your industry. That's, uh, frankly, if you search best user journey website or something like that, uh, look at something completely different from a different industry and think, how do they do it? And try and bring across some of those learnings. I hope that helps. Uh, Harper from Facebook. I want to make a splash with any business I go into. Yeah, I could have thought. What would you say is hot right now that you're seeing in terms of business ideas? Is there a particular sector proving to be popular? I would be remiss not to talk about COVID-19, but not just COVID-19, but I think the new way of working. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, all I know is it's been a, a huge shift. And organizations have gone from true digital transformation, remote working, all that is eight years away or four to eight years away. That's something I was reading about yesterday. And it's been done in eight weeks. People have really become accustomed to, to working remotely. Now, I think if you start with that strand and build from there, you're going to have a lot of interesting thoughts about all the different areas it touches. Because what does that touch? It, it touches so things like this, Zoom, right? So uh, people are working increasingly from Zoom, fine. But how about, um, how about the fact that we're all social animals? We want to talk to one another. Okay, so we might need a way to sort of uh, meet remotely more frequently. So people are solving that by doing Zoom calls with their families. But with co-workers, how do you create you know, a social experience uh, maybe around uh, different rooms? So you can go and go for a coffee break with, with friends and do it like that. So I think that's an industry that there's some bits that exist, but nobody's really done it properly. Something else that it also stems from, if we think about remote workers, well, you're going to need to meet up. Okay, so Twitter were the first to say, we're not going to have any offices going forward. But I guarantee you, they'll take some of the office budget and they'll put that in a meetup budget because we need to meet face-to-face -face periodically. There may be, sadly, insurance reasons why we can't meet because there may be too high risk for COVID-19 or stuff like that, which saddens me. But I think there's something to be said about uh, a business that um, that helps people meet up. That'd be great. So it could be like, uh, let's all go to Mexico for uh, for a week. And you know what? We have budgets saved from the um, offices. Um, I could go on about this all day because I, I love that topic. And, and we're currently exploring a couple of things, one in health and safety and risk management, uh, for example. Uh, and I... Um, so Amazon products and, and some other things which are related to that. So I, I think we can maybe chat more offline. Uh, hope that's helpful, Hopper. Uh, Ryan from Twitter. Hi there, Patrice. We're an established organization that deals with online marketing techniques. It's very competitive. Uh, so I'm wondering if you have any tips, resource, or resources for staying ahead of the fast-moving tech curve. Um, that's a good question. I think it is very competitive, and I think this uh, staying ahead of the fast-moving tech curve I, I, I mean, I do this full time, right? I'm, I'm meant to be the technology expert, uh, and I say the word I'm meant to, um, because if I spend all day reading about technology, I would just about catch up with what's going on. I believe that what you need to do as much as possible is just get involved in in building. So I, I like this expression, this theorist, so writing about the other possible, and that's lovely and good to learn from. And I have a couple of trusted People I look at and read, so I try to minimize the amount I read, but just maximize the quality of it. And then I like to spend more time actually trying to problem solve uh, and understand uh, by doing in terms of technology. So, for example, we did a, a few years back an augmented reality app. It was cutting edge at the time, 
And we just wanted to try it. So one of our clients was interested and we worked with them. We learned. Uh, so I find learning by doing is probably going to be the, the best way. But I don't think you can ever be ahead of, of the curve in terms of um, catching up with technology. But staying aware is important. I hope that answers your question. Uh, Matt from uh, Facebook, we're a newly established app for business people wanting to connect with each other when out on business trips. I have heard that idea before. I don't know if I've met you before, Matt. We found that lead generation is slow. This may be due to obvious reasons of COVID-19. So I'm wondering what would you advise in order to ramp up leads and therefore conversions? Great question because I, uh, I talk about this all the time with early stage startups. To me, even before building the uh, technology, what I would do is I, I would look at your routes to market. Because what I tend to find is people will focus 100% on their product, right? If this is your product here, and your customers are over here, I call this a highway of clients, or on a highway of lots of clients. People tend to spend all their time on their product. If they're good, they might go and speak to some of the customers, but really they're spending the time on the product, which may be what you've done there. Because what they want to do after is launch. So they finish the product, they launch, ta-da, nobody cares because nobody's heard of them. No, no offense. Um, because what most people want to do and what you hear in most marketing campaigns is, then what you do is you'll do a Facebook strategy or AdWords strategy or or you, you'll you, you'll try and do some guest posting and, and SEO. I, I almost, frankly, want to refuse doing these businesses until we find a strategic partner that's got access to all these clients. So for you, for example, uh, business people wanting to connect with each other whilst on business trips, um, what I would do, so it's, it's too late to do it before you built it. It sounds like you've built it, but good on you for doing that. I will go and find strategic partners. I'll give you an example of one. Um, it may be Marriott Hotel, the, the, the chain of hotels. They've actually got an accelerator, I think, or incubator. And what they're looking for is, is technology to help uh, within hotels. Now, a lot of business people will go to the Marriott. Wouldn't it be nice for them, the Marriott, to offer a solution for people to mingle and network? So you know what? If I meet some cool people, do some business through your app at the Marriott, I'll only want to stay at the Marriott with this app. So the point I'm making is um, look for strategic partners, build relationship with, we call them the multipliers. So a relationship with this one person will give me access to a thousand people. So that would be my suggestion. Move away from um, ramping up leads or that if you can. Go for the big winners who, uh, big partners who have a, an important interest in you and what you do because it's helping their business. So it's about what you can do for them. I hope that answered the question, but really happy to chat more about it because it's, it's a really important one. Jamel from Facebook. Hi, Patrice. Thank you uh, for this this far. Glad you like it. We have a new idea for a business in the e-commerce industry, but do not yet have a prototype as such. What the risk of not having a prototype beforehand? Um, it's a good question. So if I go back to what I mentioned early on, I have a, a whole course on Udemy about ideas and sort of validating ideas. But... To me, once you've validated your idea that you're happy with it, you've done some user interviews, it makes a lot of sense to effectively just go a step further. So for me, it is building that prototype so that, because there's a difference between me saying, I have this idea, it's going to work a bit like this, it's going it's to do that, it's going to do that. So what I'm asking users to do is understand the words I'm, I'm saying, paint a picture in their head about what it's going to look like, how it's going to work, and get feedback. And then on the other side, you're receiving words, translating to what you want it to mean, uh, and, and feeding back on that. 
So a prototype, which is nothing more than the first step of building that that, that app anywhere or that e-commerce uh, store, or that yeah, that website. It shows visually what you're talking about. So it transforms the conversation from imagine this to let's look at this specifically. Now, you've told me you like this and you have this pain point. Let's look at this specifically and get some proper feedback. So what I suggest is um, ideally, if you're serious about the idea, do the prototype because you know what? If you're going to build this, you're going to need designs anyway. So you might as well slow down on the building side because that's where the real cost is focus on the designs, package it up as a prototype, get yourself out there, talk to people. It's uncomfortable, but it's the reason some businesses succeed and others fail by, by doing that. I hope that helps. And again, delighted to chat about that. I think it's an important step that if you get this right, it will really help your business. And, and it's all about return investment, right? The return investment on this is huge because either it will stop you from doing the idea because people generally say, it just doesn't work. Or it will really help you because you'll tailor the MVP, so the minimum viable product, to be correct. Okay, so last uh, last three minutes, really. So we're nearly running out of time. Um, I'll just do a last question from Kira on Twitter. How in-depth do Appy Ventures go when looking at business model? What are the main elements you focus on? It's almost like somebody planted that question. I like it. Um, uh, it's building on the previous question from, from Jamel about, you know, you've done the process and you're going for prototype. I think the first step with an idea is, is looking at a lean canvas. Lean canvas, so I think if you go to lean canvas, well, just Google lean canvas, or you can go to leanstack.com. They've got a nice uh, um, solution on there. I don't believe in spending tons of time on creating a beautiful business plan with 40 pages and uh, stuff like that. I, I have a, a sort of a, uh, investor deck template and uh, that's about 10 slides. I have a lean canvas, that's one page with eight different points. I encourage you to look at that because that will actually that will actually condense all your thinking into one place and you'll be able to understand the business better. So spend less time on, on that, more time on testing the concept. Again, happy to chat uh, some more. I need to wrap up. So I am going to say um, thank you for QuickBooks for hosting this. Any questions, get in touch with the QuickBooks support team on Facebook, or you can get in touch with myself on www.appyventures.com or patrice at appyventures.com, appyventures.com. Uh, so coming up uh, on Ask the Expert tomorrow is Judith Dugdale, who heads up the uh, digital solutions team at MHA Moore & Smalley. She works with owner-managed businesses across the Northwest, and her clients range uh, in size and complexities from new startups to establish and growing businesses across a multitude of sectors. So make sure you tune in tomorrow and get uh, free advice from a cloud-based growth accountant. I like that, growth accountant. A reminder that if you need any more advice, join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Um, so there's accountants and experts uh, on hand 24-7. Thank you, everyone, and uh, stay safe.